Welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. Hello and welcome members of the Yours Truly podcast fam, the podience my people, whatever you want to identify yourself as, welcome to the podcast. This is episode 44. We got the double fours, the double numbers for good luck today. We are going to be talking about feeling your fullness and why this is so important in the intuitive eating path to feel your fullness, to honor it, to get comfy with that feeling rather than avoid it or be fearful of it or delay it or maybe not even get to that place or all all of this craziness that diet culture teaches us that we should do. So we're going to kind of talk about fullness, satiety, what's the difference, what's the importance of both of these things. And before I get too far into this episode talking about both fullness and satiety, this is kind of a follow-up or a part two episode, if you will, to the episode 42 that I did approximately two weeks ago. Yes, good job, Claire. You can do math. This is 44. That was 42. So that would make it two weeks ago where I talked about the importance of honoring your hunger. So this is kind of a follow-up episode. As promised, as I was doing that episode and talking through it, I was like, This is awesome sauce because we all have to learn how our hunger shows up, what is hunger, and why is it so important to honor it. But then I also have to talk about or we have to get comfy with those feelings of what happens after hunger, aka fullness and satiety. So I wanted to kind of break those two concepts up because it may seem really simple, like, okay, honor my hunger, feel my fullness. It may sound super easy, but when we actually start to break it down, they're two really big and fundamental topics, so I felt like they both deserved separate episodes. So if you're listening to this intro and you have not yet listened to episode 42 where I'm talking about honoring your hunger, I truly encourage you to go over there to pause right here. I'm giving you the opportunity to pause, hop on two weeks back to that episode so you can enter into this episode knowing the full picture and really being equipped with both sides of the conversation of the hunger awareness scale. So that being said, if you're still with me and you're like, Claire, I listen every week because I am an awesome, loyal podcast family fan then great. Stay with me here on episode 44. But before we get into the bulk of today's episode talking about fullness and satiety, you know what we have to do first. We have to feature the Yours Truly Goal Slayer post of the week. So this post today, and and if you're new to the podcast, I'll preface this by saying the Yours Truly Goal Slaying community is a free private, that was really hard to say, a free private Facebook community. You would think that I would be really good at saying these words since I've said them approximately 44 times plus now, but I still get jumbled up sometimes. So the Yours Truly Goal Slaying community is a free 
private Facebook community that I run on the interwebs to talk about all things intuitive eating, mindful eating, healthy living tips, healthy lifestyle tips in a community of really supportive people. So I think we can all agree that the intuitive eating path is not an easy one, especially if you are transitioning out of years, months, days, however long you have been kind of steeped or indoctrinated in that diet culture. It's not easy to come into a path of freedom, of listening to your body, of saying, I am the one who is empowered to make the choices in my own body and really live past these rules, which is really what this post today is talking about from one of my current clients. But this community is very awesome, very supportive. It's just an uplifting place for anyone, not only who works with me one-on-one to come and share and learn and provide value, but also anyone who is interested in intuitive eating to come and hang out with a community of people doing the same thing. So this post today comes from one of my current clients. It's actually, this post came across last night from when I'm recording this. We had our one-on-one coaching call and she writes... Happy Monday, everyone. I had my call with Claire this afternoon, and I have a few great takeaways. One of the things that I have been struggling with is whether I'm eating out of hunger or eating out of boredom. During our call, we came up with a few options on how to distinguish. For example, taking a breath, thinking about when the last time I ate was, was that meal filling, and using the responses to empower me to decide. And then, if it is boredom, trying to find some ways to overcome this. Claire also shared with me the idea of having, quote, always good food, end quote, on hand for those times when I do need a snack, especially for the drive home from work each day, packing snacks that I will want and will satisfy my need in the moment. The other thing that became clear during the call was that sometimes I use the busyness and fast pace of my life as an excuse for not focusing on my intuitive eating journey. I need to take back control and make the things that I have identified as important to me in this journey a priority. Doing things like setting alarms or reminders throughout my day will help to keep me focused. My last comment to Claire today was that I was afraid of all of this freedom that I have on this journey. I have always been on some sort of plan or working with a coach that gave me rules that I had to follow each week. This experience has been so different, so enjoyable, but yet so fearful. What if I can't stop eating? What if I gain weight? What if the fear convinces me to stop and go back to a plan? Am I missing something or am I doing something wrong? Am I the only one feeling this way? So I want to give a big shout out to this goal slayer who not only posted her takeaway from our call so that she could solidify everything that she had learned and provide value for everyone else in this community. This is why the community support is so important because you can learn someone or something from someone else's takeaway that you might not have even thought of before. But I'm so proud of her for sharing this takeaway and especially for that last comment. We kind of chatted about some of this and some of her fears on our call which is a big bulk thing that I do with many of my clients is talking about the fear of unlearning a lot of the stuff that diets have taught us to be true and relearning it in a certain way. And yes, it's impactful. Yes, it's something that must be done. But so often it does come with a healthy healthy dose of fear of everything you were trying to avoid in the past. What if I can't stop eating if I'm giving myself unconditional permission to eat? What if my body does change in the opposite direction of what 
I have always strived for? What if something convinces me? What if the fear stops me from continuing on this journey that I know that I need in my life to go back to the safety of a plan? So she is not alone in feeling this way. And I'm so glad that we had a chance to talk it out on our call. But one of the main action items that I gave her is to share this thought or these fears in the community because she was feeling like she was the only one who had ever had these fears with intuitive eating. And I reassured her 100% beyond the shadow of a doubt because I work with multiple individuals on this journey that everyone's fears, yes, they show up slightly differently because we're all different people, but everyone has similar fears along this journey. And by sharing, she could prove to herself that she wasn't doing anything wrong, that these fears were normal and that other people in the community have gone through the same things. So if you are feeling this way about your intuitive eating journey, no matter where you are, if you're new starting out, if you've been doing this for a couple years or months now and you still have these fears or these thoughts, know that you're not alone. Know that the fact that you're having these thoughts and fears means that you're putting in the work and effort needed to further your journey rather than allowing the fear to keep you in the same place that you have always been. So to wrap up this Yours Truly Goalslayer post of the week, I want to read one of the comments that she got because I was like, hey, post this in the community. I guarantee you that multiple people will raise their hand and say, I identify, I have been there and can resonate with your fear. So I want to read one of the comments that she got from another one of my current clients. And he writes, and this is kind of along the lines of what I was just saying, but it's worded in a different way from a different human's brain, so maybe it will resonate more with you. He writes, if all of these thoughts are circulating in your head, you're doing the intuitive eating journey right. Intuitive eating is all about breaking rules that we have set in our minds. When I first started, those are the exact same questions that I had. I was so scared. But one but one thing I've learned in six months into the journey is that you have to trust your body because it is so smart. Sure, you might be eating a lot of the foods that were, quote, off limits to you before, but I promise those cravings go away and those foods just become something normal that you can have whenever you feel like it. If you do gain weight, maybe you're not currently at your body's happy weight. And what's wrong with gaining weight? You have to be stronger than your fear, and I know that you are, or else you wouldn't be on this journey. Also, one of the best tips that I have ever learned was carrying always good foods with me. Whole grain peanut butter crackers are my go-to. I also second the alerts idea. I had to implement them for the same reason, and they are a true lifesaver on those busy days. You got this. So I'm going to let that speak for itself. I'm not going to elaborate anymore because I think the post, the comments, what I said really covers it all. Know that you are not alone if you are having some of the same fears that she voiced. And to prove to you that you are not alone, this is the point in the episode where I openly extend an invitation. I'm extending my hands towards the microphone. You can't see me because this is a podcast and there is no visual because that's not how podcasts work. You can't see me, but I'm doing this. It's like I'm handing you this invitation to come and join us in the Yours Truly Goal Slayers Facebook group. If you're there already, because I talk about it literally every week on the pod, I'm so happy to have you in the community. Thank you for being there. Thank you for interacting and helping to support other people as you grow in your journey. But if you're not in the community and you have heard me talk about this every single week, come join us, come share, come get free value, support, tips, tricks, trainings, 
all of the above. And the only thing you have to do to join is fill out a brief application so that one, I can get to know a little bit about who you are, where you are in your journey, and what you need more help with. And two, I can kind of lay some ground rules with this community so that we're all on the same page as far as what content gets posted, what are the rules, so that this place can stay the best place on the interwebs. So if you're interested in finding this application, you can find it three simple ways. If you're on Instagram, come join the party at Claire Tuning on Instagram. The link is in my bio. Click. It'll take you to a Google form. Fill out the application and I will shoot you a DM. Say thank you. Here's how you join. If you're not on Facebook or if you're not on Instagram, rather, you can head over to Facebook. You can search the Yours Truly Goal Slayers and it will come up as a private group you can request to join. I'll shoot you the application in a message. And the last way you can join is by simply friending me on Facebook, sending me a message saying, hey, Claire, love the pod, love learning about hunger, fullness, all things intuitive eating, whatever your cute little intro is going to be. And then you can ask for the application to join the group. I would be more than happy to invite you in in that way. So that being said, Facebook is awesome. This day is awesome. Guys, I have to tell you, I actually did a little something different in my morning routine today. I typically go and head out and do my move freely practice around 8, 8.30. Then I kind of come back and dive into my work after I've moved around, got the got the brain waves flowing. But the thing that is bad about that is my little office space is in a sunroom. And I've talked about this before. And as the weather keeps getting warmer, the sunroom keeps getting steamier. So typically when I record podcasts at like 1, 2, 3 p.m. in the afternoon... I'm sweating buckets at the end, and sometimes that's not the best thing for my creativity, for me to stay on track, because you know when you get hot, you're just kind of like flustered and angry at the world, and I don't want to be that way when I'm recording a podcast. So I'm actually doing this in the morning. The sun has not yet shone into my little room, so I'm feeling great. It's nice and cool in here. It's a great day to be alive, and now, if you've been on the podcast before, you know what's coming, my fancy transition music. da 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 That one carried a little bit longer, but uh, (laughs) that is my fancy transition music as we do kind of a 180 here into the conversation of our podcast today, feeling your fullness. So we're going to talk about what is fullness, what is fullness not, why is learning to feel it and honor it important for the success in your intuitive eating journey, and how do I best feel and honor my fullness without getting freaked out or without shying away from it like so many diets have taught us to do. So, I want to start this by saying, like I said at the beginning of the intro, if you for some reason fast forwarded through the intro because of like, Claire, you're annoying, you talk too much, I'm going to start in the bulk of the episode, I will tell you, listen to episode 42 first. That's where we're talking about honoring your hunger, what is hunger, and if we think about how the progression from hunger to fullness goes, you got to start out hungry or at least wanting to eat some type of food before you can even really get to the place of feeling full or satisfied. So listen to the episode on hunger first because that's going to give you the tools needed to conquer the hunger side of the hunger side of things. And now we're going to focus on fullness. So the first thing that I will say is really kind of what I opened up the episode on hunger with. If you're like, Claire, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to go back and listen to that episode. I want to preface this episode by saying the same thing I said there, because this is something that gets taken so wrong so easily with intuitive eating. 
We talk about hunger and fullness a lot because one of the main tenets of intuitive eating is relearning to honor your hunger and fullness in a way that you get to decide how much you eat, that you get to decide what feels best in your own body rather than looking for external approval or guidance on these topics, but what it so easily can be reduced to honoring your hunger and feeling your fullness. And we say, well, if I've done those things, then I've done a good job and I'm a good intuitive eater. But if I haven't done those things, maybe one day I didn't honor my hunger and I got way too far down on the hunger scale. And as a result, I ate way too much. And I'm doing that in quotations, you know, to my standards. I ate more than I wanted, or maybe I feel like I had a binge and now I'm a bad intuitive eater because I didn't stick to the principle of hunger and fullness. And the reason why this kind of black and white mentality bleeds into intuitive eating is because we all come to the table, pun intended, come to the intuitive eating table with different experiences and things that we have been taught to be true about food. If you are coming to the intuitive eating table with a long history of dieting of strict good, bad, right, wrong type of rules around food that diets and diet culture has taught you, then it makes sense as to why you are trying to apply that same sort of approach to intuitive eating by saying there's a good and a bad way to be. There's a right and a wrong way to be. But I am here to tell you right now, there's no right and wrong in intuitive eating. There's no perfect way to eat intuitively. There's just you. And a lot of the times getting comfortable with the conversations of hunger, how does that show up for me? How do I honor it? And how do I feel my fullness? How do I bridge satiety, fullness, all of these things, those are big learning lessons. Those are big places of growth for you to figure out what does your intuitive eating journey look like? How does your body show up for you? And how can you best serve your body? Because at the end of the day, you guys are on the same team. So there's no right and wrong way to be on a team with your body. There's no perfect way to be on a team. If any of us have ever played a team sport ever, you know there's no such thing as a perfect team that is harmonious all of the time, but the best types of teams listen to each other. They leave space for open and honest communication and they are patient with each other. So that's what I'm encouraging you to be as you approach this podcast, intuitive eating in general, knowing that it's not the hunger and the fullness diet. If you don't honor your hunger, if you blow past fullness, a lot in the beginning, every once in a while, even as you continue to kind of get your footing in this journey, that's normal. That's okay. And in those moments, really hold that space of compassion for yourself and remind yourself, like I said in episode 42, that we eat for so many reasons other than hunger and fullness. I'm not going to get into that, but just think of all of the other experiences, whether it's a social experience, a culture experience, I I don't know, all of these things that involve food in your life. And you will really easily be able to see that it is more than hunger and fullness, but hunger and fullness are two big things with intuitive eating. Because like I said, these are the ways that we get to know our body and we get comfortable with being the person in the driver's seat who doesn't have to reach for external validation or information when it comes to your food intake. You really got to listen to these cues and figure out, like I said again, how they show up for you. So that's what these two episodes are about. We already tackled hunger. 
Now we're really going to dig into fullness and satiety. They're, they're two different things, as you may have figured out. I'm kind of talking about these two different things, these two buzzwords. I'm saying fullness in one hand. I'm saying satiety in the other. You may be like, Claire, aren't they the same thing? What's the difference? We are going to cover that in today's episode. So first, I want to talk about what is fullness? What is it? Because for so long, that might have been the thing that you were trying your darndest to avoid. That might have been the thing that scared you about eating experiences if you maybe chronically ate to a place where you felt overfull. So now you're afraid of really learning what a happy balance with your fullness feels like because you have so many negative emotions and experiences tied to that feeling. So when we really break down what is fullness, I really want you to think about it very simply and unemotionally just as we tackled the conversation of hunger in episode 42. Back in that episode two weeks ago, I told you that hunger was very simply a mechanism, a signal that you have from birth that all of your ancestors have, that everybody in the human race has to let your body know that something needs attention. It's kind of like our internal thermostat, our internal remote control to let us know, hey, I need help. Your your body, you know, your teammate is saying, hey, Claire, you know, hey, whatever your name is, David, Joanna, Kristen. I'm just trying to think of like random names off the top of my head. Hey, person, I'm trying to speak to you and say that I need attention. A lot of the times this signal comes up when we talk about hunger, maybe in your stomach growling, some brain fog, being distracted, maybe thinking about food a lot as you're trying to do another important task. That is how your body sends these signals when it comes to hunger. When it comes to fullness, it is just another signal. So maybe for you, you realize food starts sounding not as good. Maybe you start to feel physically a little bit filled up and you're maybe just thinking about other things that you have to do in your day. Maybe that hunger haze, as we like to call it, kind of lifts and you can think about other things not related to food. Maybe those are the signals that your body tries to send you that says, hey, I'm full. So it's a signal. It's also a line of communication between the two parts or two parts of your digestive system. We're talking about the stomach and the brain. These two things are communicating. These two things are working together. And when you start to get to a level of fullness, when your stomach starts to fill up, it sends little signals out from your stomach saying, Hey brain, we're good right now. Like I'm probably going to be hungry at a later point because that's how fullness and hunger work as of all of our past experiences. But for right now, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling fueled. I'm feeling energized. So for right now, we can move on to a different topic of conversation or a different thing on our daily schedule. So we're breaking it down here. It is a signal. It is not something to fear. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it's a way of different parts of your body systems to communicate with each other, to let you know, to bring your hand to the table and say, okay, I'm done now. It's kind of like if you've ever seen that movie Inside Out, I think is what it's called. It's a a Disney movie. It might be a Pixar movie. I don't really know. I don't know my movies that well, but the way I think about it, I kind of think of those little characters, those little blurbs inside of ourselves. And I 
almost think of hunger as being one. And when you're hungry, that little gremlin, it's definitely not a gremlin, but that little character kind of pushes down the hunger level and it signals to you, hey, body, I'm hungry. And then it kind of works with its BFF, with its partner in crime, the fullness little guy who says, okay, when you're feeling full, I'm going to pull this lever. And it kind of sends signals from stomach to brain to hand to say, I can put this down for now because we good. We're going to come back later, but you're good for now. So it's a signal. It's a line of communication. Now kind of zoning, zooming out a little bit rather. I don't know why I said zoning. That definitely wasn't the right word, but zooming out a little bit to talk about what else is fullness. It can also be something that feels really foreign after long periods of restriction. And I use this word restriction in kind of a broad sense because that looks different for everyone. Maybe if you're listening now and you feel like you have gone through a period of restriction, maybe that was in the case of an eating disorder or a very disordered relationship with food. Maybe you're coming to the table of intuitive eating here saying, I've been on a diet, I've been you know, macro tracking, doing Weight Watchers, whatever it has been for a really long time. And I kind of don't know what my fullness feels like anymore because for so long I was eating the bare minimum or the exact amount that I thought or I was told or my diet said I needed in order to survive. You were kind of really on the fritz of, I'm just going to eat exactly enough. I'm not going to eat a ton. I'm going to eat enough to get by, but that's it. I'm not going to feel full. I'm not going to, you know, anything like that is bad. It's something I'm trying to avoid. So When we're talking about fullness here, it can be something that you may have lost touch with after years, months, days, however it has, however long it has been with your period of restriction. So it's normal to kind of come to the table with a little bit of fear if you don't know what your fullness cues feel like. It can also be normal to have the fear of, well, what if I can't stop eating, right? What if I always blow past full because I don't know what it feels like and then I've realized only after it has gone for too long or after I've gone too far. So know that it is normal to have lost touch and to have a little bit of fear around this topic of conversation because for so long, if you're coming from that restrictive mentality, your goal, the measure of your success was maybe to not feel full. It was to do the bare minimum. You wouldn't believe the number of clients who I have worked with currently and in the past who have told me when we really dig into the conversation of hunger and fullness, we really break this down when I have a client who I work with one-on-one and kind of like get really specific as far as what are your cues like? How does this show up in your life? That's where the application and accountability of one-on-one coaching comes in. But you wouldn't believe the number of clients who after this conversation or throughout this conversation, they genuinely and openly voice to me, Claire, I don't know what that feels like in my own body. So if you're in that place right now, like some of my clients are and have been, If you're at the very beginning stages of relearning your intuitive eating journey or restarting this journey, you're probably going to have to spend an indefinite amount of time at the beginning just learning what this feels like for you. And especially if you have come from a restrictive background, learning that this feeling, this signal, this line of communication that is fullness is not something to be feared. It's not something to spend your whole life and all of your energy trying to 
to delay because all it is is a signal trying to communicate between your body, your stomach, your brain saying, you have done a great job fueling me. I feel energized to tackle other areas of my life today so I don't have to solely focus on food. When you think about it this way, not something to fear, not something to delay, not something to avoid, but simply a signal to let you know that you have done your teammate a solid, that you have done a great job fueling yourself, that you are now ready to tackle bigger and better things and a disordered or a weird or a tangled relationship with food. The idea of learning how your fullness cues show up becomes a really exciting journey because don't we all want to feel energized? Don't we all want to feel empowered to live our best life with our teammate called our body? I think yes. So no, you might have to spend a little bit of time getting comfortable with what this feels like. And coming back to it's not a hunger and a fullness diet, it's okay if you blow past fullness because that means you're one step closer to having the tools and the clues needed to not do that as frequently and you know what that feels like in your body now. It's a constant experiment. So the last thing I will say, fullness, just like hunger, is something that can change daily. So one really important little tidbit of information that I forgot to put in the episode on hunger, I was so, I don't want to say angry at myself. I wasn't angry, but I was peeved. I was like, Claire, you talked about a topic as important and as big as hunger, and you didn't say this one thing. So I want to add this in here because it applies to both hunger and fullness. These cues, these signals that our teammate, our body can give us every single day will change day in and day out. It is normal for them to change and fluctuate and show up differently on a day-to-day basis because guess what? We are different on a day-to-day basis. If you're coming from a dieting background, you know, weight watchers, macro tracking, calorie tracking, whatever it may have been, even a strict disordered relationship with food where you had these rules outlined in your own brain that I can only have a certain amount of X, Y, and Z in a day. What all of these approaches to food and nutrition have taught you is your body is a static being. You need X number of calories in a day. You need X grams of fat, X grams of protein, X grams of carbohydrates. If you're coming from the macro background, you need X number of points. What this communicates when we have these numbers in our head, we say, okay, I need the same exact amount of everything in a day. That means that if I don't feel like eating that amount, if I may be more hungry than that, or if I'm less hungry than that, then something's wrong with me. Yeah, I don't know. Like something's wrong. I'm doing something wrong. I'm, I'm not doing a good job serving my own body. It teaches us to really doubt that we show up differently every single day. Which, how messed up and weird is that? Of course, we are going to wake up a little bit different every single day. So it makes total sense that some days our hunger cues may be a lot higher. Some days it may take a lot more food to get those fullness cues to show up. Some days, maybe if we aren't moving around as much, if we're taking a more rest day, if we're taking a self-care day, then it makes sense that maybe on those days our hunger cues don't show up in full force. It takes 
less food to get us to this level of fullness. It really is something that will change and fluctuate every single day. So know that these two markers, hunger and fullness, are not set in stone for you. Know that when you're having a day where you notice these cues are showing up differently, nothing is wrong with you. There's nothing to question. You're just being a human being. I always joke with my clients. I'm saying like, welcome to the human race. It's great to have you here. Thank you for showing up and being different every single day. And I know I'm being a little bit overdramatic and a little sarcastic with this, but of course we're going to need different varying amounts of food every single day if we're truly listening to what our body needs because it's going to tell us different things every single day. So to recap, hunger is a, or sorry, fullness rather. I'm, I'm kind of like on the brainwave of hunger now since I was just talking about it, but fullness is a signal. It is a way of communication between two parts of your body or your digestive system. It's something that can feel foreign after restriction, but not to fear. If you stay on this path, you will get comfy with it. We're going to talk about how in a second, and it won't feel foreign forever. And it's also something just like hunger that can change, fluctuate, and show up differently every single day. So the next topic of conversation is what is it not? And this, I may have already hit on some of these things, so I'm going to make this this little section, this topic of conversation a little bit more brief, but I have three points here. So one thing it is not is something to fear or avoid. So I kind of covered this in a past topic of conversation a few minutes ago, but I want to give you an analogy as far as what will happen if you choose to avoid fullness. If you choose to put off the feeling of fullness or mental satiety, we'll talk about the difference again here in a second. And the analogy that I give to my clients always, any of my clients who are listening right now, you can probably call this a clairism. I don't know. I feel like I always have a handful of statements, phrases, analogies that almost become inside jokes in my little client community. We all hang out on this platform called Slack, where we have access to one another who are going through the journey currently. And we could probably start forming a lot of inside jokes because I think we kind of form this lingo and this this way of making analogies. But the analogy that I want to give you is what I call the pie chart analogy. So I can't claim full credit. I've seen other infographics of other dietitians and people putting this out there, but the way that I describe the pie chart analogy is if you think of back to like middle school math, I don't know exactly what math class they bring this up in, but if you think to a pie chart that has different segments, different percentages. If you think about dividing this up based on the amount of mental energy you have to spend on certain topics or areas or activities of your life, of course, things like food, movement, sleep, work are all going to take up sections of this pie chart. But for the purpose of this conversation, I really want to focus in on, of course, you guessed it, the food component. So it's going to take up a certain amount of your pie chart because we all have to eat every single day in order to survive. If you choose to not eat for a couple of days, everything else in that pie chart is going to suffer because you're going to be hangry and no one's going to want to be around your pie chart. Got it? But when we think about hunger, when the percentage that is taken up by hunger starts to outgrow what it needs to be, when we start having obsessive behaviors around food, restrictive relationship around food, when we think about food too much, this part of the pie chart starts to grow, like I said, out of where it needs to be. 
what happens when this percentage of the pie chart starts to grow bigger than it needs to be is it takes away from other areas of the pie chart because we can only fit 100% in the pie chart unless you're like a superhuman and you have like 125% pie chart. But we're going to focus on the rest of us normal human beings who can only fit 100% in the pie chart. If your food percentages starts taking away from things like career, we need a family. I almost said career and work. Those are like the two, the same two things. Career, family, relationships, your pets, moving freely, right? If it starts taking away from other aspects, then your life is going to suffer. Your mindset, your health, whatever you want to call it is going to suffer. So by fearing and avoiding fullness, what we actually do is we willingly give more of our attention, more of a percentage of our energy to the food category. Because flashback to the hunger episode, what happens if we are constantly hungry? What happens if we are not full and satisfied? What happens, can you guess? I'm going to leave like a moment of pause here for you to guess. But what happens is we start to think about food more. We think, when am I going to eat next? We start fantasizing about what we're going to eat. We may even, and even if you've been in a really restrictive, disordered behavior around food for a long time, you may have realized throughout the course of that, you have started picking up on hobbies that involve food, cooking, Pinterest boarding of food recipes, maybe you've even become a dietitian, a nutritionist, something in the health profession, because where this kind of obsessive behavior has taken you is it's made you go full force into the food category in your life and other things may have suffered. I'm by no means saying that becoming a dietitian is taking away from everything else you're doing, but you see what I'm saying. If you're constantly feeling hungry, not honoring your fullness, not getting to a place where your body is saying, thank you for fueling me, thank you for feeding me, then the primal mechanism and instinct in your brain is going to be saying, where's the food? When are you feeding me? I am hungry. And it's not a lack of willpower in these moments. It is my pet peeve when people following really restrictive patterns of eating, cutting out entire macronutrient groups come to me and they don't know any better. I'm not placing any of the blame, but they say things like, I have no willpower. I'm thinking about food all the time. I feel like something's wrong with me. My response is nothing is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with your willpower. But when you are constantly underfed, when you're restricting a certain macronutrient category, like carbohydrates, for example, when you're missing out on a big piece of energy intake or life or enjoyment in general, it's not your willpower that's failing you. It is your biological mechanisms that say, I'm hungry, feed me. And if you don't feed me, I'm going to make you think about food all the time until you give in, until you quote cave. So you go eat food so that you can give the body what it needs to move on. The body is always going to get what it needs, guys. Biology is always going to win. So let's not fight it. Let's not give more of our energy to the food pie chart analogy than we need to by keeping ourselves away from fullness. The other thing that food or that, not that food, that fullness is not, I have too many like F words, not the bad F word. This is going places, but too many words that start with F in my brain. But something else that fullness is not is something that lasts forever. I think we can all agree. We've all been there that when you reach a place of fullness and you feel full and satisfied, again, we'll talk about those in a second. 
that's great. For the time being, you've done your body a service. Your body's giving you that signal of, yay, we feel great to go and conquer the day. But those hunger signals are going to come back. So we really have to get comfy with not only hunger, but also our fullness signals, because this is something that's going to happen again and again and again in our life. So for constantly on a, on a rocky road, I'm thinking of the ice cream. If you're, I'm hungry now, I'm thinking of ice cream, but if you're on this rocky road or this rocky mentality with things like hunger and fullness, then you're going to have this spot of negativity in your life multiple times a day. So we really have to get confident in our relationship and our ability to feel these things so that we can realize it's not going to last forever. But when these sensations come back, I know and I feel empowered as far as how to handle this in my own body. And it doesn't take up all of the energy in my mental pie chart because I can do it. I can listen to my body and then I move on with my day. And that's really the goal of intuitive eating. And the last thing, the thing that I have been referencing, alluding to multiple times is it's not the same thing as satiety. Fullness, and this is a big takeaway that I want you to get from this episode, fullness is not the same thing as satiety. When I say the word fullness, I am talking about the sensation that you get physically in your stomach that says, hey, I'm full. Food doesn't sound as good to me anymore. I don't really want to eat anymore. You know, my, my stomach is maybe feeling a little bit fuller than it is. Maybe I can feel my flesh, my skin, like pushing on my pants lines a little bit more. That's fullness, right? When we feel like we can't really fit anymore into our physical bodies. Satiety on the other hand, is more of a mental thing. To feel satisfied with something, it has to be an experience, a taste, a texture, something that you enjoyed, something that you remember doing, and something that you feel complete. You feel good after doing. The main example that I like to give my clients to really demonstrate the difference between physical fullness and mental satiety is if I were to give you like seven heads of romaine lettuce and I say, here, Janice, eat these. I don't know who Janice is. I don't know why. Maybe like the the Janice from Friends came to my head. I don't know. I love the show Friends. If you're a fan, you got to hit me up and we can like have a virtual watch party. But if I say, here Janice, and I can't do her voice, have these seven heads of romaine lettuce and eat them all, right? Which would never be a thing that an intuitive eating dietitian would do because I'm not going to tell you what the heck to eat. But for the purpose of this conversation, if you had seven heads of romaine lettuce and you ate them all, You would probably feel full afterwards. Your GI tract would probably be a little bit janked up after that (laughs) because you, you would, you may have a little bit of toilet troubles in the morning because that is a lot of insoluble fiber or what we call roughage, my friends. But you would probably have that sensation of fullness in your stomach. But would you be mentally satisfied? Would that have been an enjoyable, pleasurable experience for you? Raw, romaine, lettuce, seven heads of it? No. I really don't think that would have been a mentally satisfying experience for you. Even though you stand up from the table or wherever I had you eat those things, you'd probably still be thinking about that amazing chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A that you actually wanted in the first place, but someone told you that you couldn't have. So the main thing with, with fullness and satiety, like I said at the beginning, intuitive eating allows you to find a place where you bridge the gap between the two. It allows you to know what your fullness feels like, but it also equips you with 
the tools to fill your plate, your bowl, your meal, your snack, whatever it is, with foods that allow you to get to that place of fullness, but they also allow you to feel good and satisfied and and pleasured with that experience in the moment. So the next thing that I want to talk about is why, and one thing, one more thing that I'll say with fullness and satiety is if you stand up from the table and you're full, but you're not satisfied, that's really going to come back to the mental pie chart. If you eat something, maybe it's something that you meal prepped, something that your coach told you that you could have, something that fits in your macros, that maybe checks all of the boxes of healthy of what you quote should be doing, but you stand up from the table and that didn't hit that mental satiety bell, then of course you're going to be thinking about food. Of course you're going to be craving something else. And then you may, you may chalk it up to willpower. Say, I have no willpower. Why did I eat something right after I already ate something and I knew I wasn't hungry? Well, homegirl or homeboy, it's because you weren't satisfied. You have to have both of these things in order for you to conquer your life in the happiest and healthiest way possible. So end note, period. That's all I'll say. So why is honoring your hunger and honoring your fullness and satiety for the purpose of this episode, why is it important? So this is another way of rebuilding trust with your body and distancing yourself from a scarcity mentality. It lets you have the power over the food rather than the other way around. So often if you're coming from that restrictive mentality, that disordered relationship with food, you're living in a scarcity mentality that says, well, if I allow myself to have this food, then all bets are off for tonight. So I better eat it all. I better blow past fullness because I'm giving myself this permission slip because tomorrow all bets are off. None of this. It's back to kale juice only, back to my cleanse, back to whatever crazy fad diet people are doing now. And this is what we call the last supper mentality, the scarcity mentality where you feel like, okay, if I'm going to break a rule because all things are black and white, then I have to go all in, all or nothing right now, because tomorrow this isn't going to happen. This is really the binge restrict cycle. It's a scarcity mentality. This is why this is not a part of intuitive eating. It's what we're distancing ourselves from with the tools and the principles of intuitive eating, but getting to a place where we can feel our fullness in a way that allows us to feel satisfied. So again, bridging that gap between physical fullness, mental satisfaction, it gives us power over the food rather than the food power over us. We know if we're lucky to live in a situation where we have food accessible to us, we have gratitude for that, right? We have the food, we know it's going to be there, we know we're not on this restrictive pattern anymore, our brain over time starts to realize this and it becomes a little bit easier to do something like honor your fullness because you know you don't live in a black and white relationship with food anymore. You know you can have something that was maybe off limits to you in the past that you felt like you had no control around. But now it's a little bit different because since you're being open and honest in your communication with your teammate, you're saying, I don't have to eat all of this right now. And it's going to take some time for you to get there, but I don't have to eat all of this right now because if I really want it again in an hour, in two hours, tomorrow, I can come back in a way that allows me to honor my fullness, to honor my satiety, and not feel like I have to eat it all at once or have this all or nothing mentality. So it really puts you back in the driver's seat with your relationship with food. 
It also gives you the space to think about other things. This is, and I've already talked about this coming back to the pie chart analogy, when you can stand up from the table, you feel full, you feel satisfied. You don't have to keep thinking about food indefinitely because your brain says, I'm good. Your body says, I'm good. I'm fueled. We can do this. Of course, you're going to start thinking about food more when you're hungry, but think about the cumulative amount of time you will spend thinking about food if you really only thought about it when you were hungry and then you were able to move on. Think about how much you could do with that extra time in your life. You could build a business. You could plant plants. You could change the world. You could become president. I don't know what you want to do, but think about all of the time you have spent freaking out about your food, having anxiety, trying to manipulate your food intake, trying to not feel full and figure out, you know, what is the least amount of food that I can eat to to live my life? All of the time you have spent doing that, think about what you could do. If you could take all of the time you'll spend doing that in the future and say, no, 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 that's not how I'm spending my time anymore and pour that time into something else, think about how impactful you could be. That's for you to think about. The other thing, you feel physically good after meals. So I think we can all agree if you are constantly in this binge restrict mentality, if you have this scarcity mentality around food where once or twice a week you say, screw it, I'm blowing past fullness, this is the last supper according to Claire, I'm going to eat all of the food, and then how do you feel after that? Physically, you probably feel terrible. Maybe you feel bloated. Maybe you feel crampy. Maybe the next day your bowel movements are all off whack. And then add on top of that, the mental guilt and and maybe the beating up of yourself that you do with that, that isn't a happy place to be. You probably don't feel good after that. So if we can kind of, and again, this doesn't happen overnight. I'm not trying to make this sound like, oh, flip the switch. Now you're intuitive eating. You're never going to blow past fullness. It's something that you have to get comfortable with and put forth the effort towards in your own journey every single day. But when you get to a place where the scarcity mentality isn't there, where you aren't spending all of your mental energy trying to restrict your entire life, you can understand that food is meant to make you feel good. You can understand that you have the power to create a plate that does allow you to feel good. You understand that food doesn't always have to be something that you feel terrible after doing. And I feel like I'm getting to this point in the episode and I'm not as good as articulating my thoughts anymore, but you can stand up from the table. You feel physically good because you know you ate something that you needed. You know that you satisfied your hunger. You know that you enjoyed the process of that. So you don't have to beat yourself up over it because it's one and done. You eat and then you move on. So the last topic of conversation is how do I best feel into my fullness? How do I feel into my satiety and how do I honor that? So this is where I bring in the hunger awareness scale. This is something that I go into depth, depth, depth. It's like the deep end of the pool plus 10 feet (laughs) with all of my one-on-one clients. We really talk about the hunger awareness scale and I talked about this briefly in episode 42, but here I want to talk about the latter end of this hunger scale. So 10 is obviously where you feel like food coma status post maybe any holiday that you've ever celebrated with food present, where of course there's an abundance of good food and maybe you feel a little bit over full afterwards and that's okay. You hold that space of self-compassion for yourself because that's what we're supposed to do. But where we want to think about 
pumping the brakes, maybe putting the fork down, putting the bowl down on a day-to-day eating experience is a place of seven to eight. So this feels different for everyone on the scale of one to 10. Your place of seven to eight can feel entirely different from what my body tells me is my place of seven to eight. So this is your homework going forth from this episode. Figure out what your place of being comfortably full and also mentally satisfied feels like for you. This is the place of seven or eight on the hunger scale where you could probably eat a little bit more, but you know that if you did, based off of past experience, you may be in a place where you physically feel a little bit uncomfortable. All thoughts of mental guilt aside, but you know just from past experience, hey, if I keep eating this, maybe I'm going to feel a little bit over full. So I'm going to honor my place of seven or an eight. The other thing that really helps with this, um, kind of like a mental cue, like I told you in the beginning of, of the hunger episode, you can sometimes tell that you're hungry when food starts to sound a heck of a lot better than it would if you were full. So this is where I bring in the flip side of that conversation and say, When you look at a plate of food, you can kind of easily tell if you are full based on how good that looks to you. So if you're eating something that is a pleasurable experience that you're really enjoying, of course it's going to be a little bit harder to pump the brakes and stop, but just pause for a second and ask yourself the question, how good does this look to me right now? If the answer is it still looks hella good, like it still looks so good, then maybe keep eating it and and see what that feels like in your own body. Remember, it's an experiment. You're constantly testing things out. But if you look at your plate and you still have food on it, you know, know it's okay to leave food on your plate. Save the rest for later. You don't have to waste it. You can save it. But if it doesn't look as good as it did when it first started and you actually find yourself saying, I can actually leave this here for the moment, then that's when you know that you have reached your place of seven or an eight. So another thing that really helps with this, and I alluded to this a couple of moments ago, eating, especially if you're eating something that gives you physical fullness and mental satisfaction, it's a fun experience. It's a pleasurable experience. It's probably one that you want to continue because as humans, we like things that feel good. We like things that we enjoy. So of course, it's going to be more difficult to likely, again, depending on where you are in your journey, depending on what past experiences you bring to the table. But for many people, it's harder to honor your fullness than it is to honor your hunger. It's harder to honor the latter end of the scale than the former. So something that can be really helpful to reassure yourself of over and over again is I can always come back. So often when you're in a restrictive or a disordered relationship with food, honoring your fullness becomes so tricky because of that scarcity mentality, because of that last supper idea. Because if you're eating something, if you're saying, screw the rules, I'm eating this right now, well, of course you're going to blow past fullness because your brain knows at the end of the day, This isn't happening tomorrow. No more happy and pleasurable experiences for you. So of course that instinctual mechanism is going to lock into overdrive and is going to lead you past fullness. But if we can, if we can start to undo some of this work by saying, if I leave food on my plate right now, I can come back in 30 minutes. I can come back in an hour, two hours tomorrow, whenever my hunger cues alert me, it is time to do so again then it's a little bit easier, again, with practice, 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 repetition over time, 
over time, you can come back to this food and you can start to abolish some of that scarcity mentality. The urgency to eat becomes a little bit less when you can reassure yourself, hey body, you and I are on the same team. If I stop eating you right now, I'm not going to restrict you anymore. I'm going to come back later. But for me to feel the best in my own body right now, for me to move on with the rest of my day and all of the other things that my pie chart needs of me... I'm just going to put you away from night for right now, the food, and then I can come back. So the last thing is something I call tapping in and tapping out. So I like to view all food experiences with a definitive beginning point and an end point because it really helps with you figuring out what your hunger and fullness scale looks like. So when you have listened to episode 42 and you're getting you know more familiar with your hunger cues, you can start, you can tap into your meal by sitting down, by doing whatever you do at the beginning of the meal to say, okay, body, teammate, whatever you want to say, we're going to eat this food now and we're going to pay attention to how we feel throughout. This is kind of a mindful eating discussion in and of itself, which I will cover more in depth in a later podcast, but you have a definitive start point to your eating experience with whatever food, hopefully it's food that you enjoy that you have on your plate. When you start to check in with yourself towards the end of that meal saying, how do I feel? How does the food sound to me right now? You know, do I need to keep going? Do I need to put it away? When you ask these gentle probing questions and you start to get the answer of, I feel like I'm in a seven or in an eight. I feel like I'm full and satisfied right now. Whether or not you finish the food or not, when you're starting to get that type of the messaging from your body that you're at a place of feeling fullness, tap out. It's like a game. You tap in, tap out. So for some people, they like to associate a certain action or an endpoint with their meal. For example, when they want to tap out, when they have communicated, okay, this is my last bite. I'm feeling pretty full now. They either maybe stand up from the table. They push the plate a little bit farther away from them. Maybe you put a napkin on your plate. I don't know. Whatever feels natural for you to start letting your brain know, hey, I'm done, but just for now, and I can come back if I need to. So those are the tips I have for you as far as best feeling and honoring your fullness, honoring your satiety. So you may be left now asking, well, well, what the heck do I fill the plate with? What the heck do I put on my plate to start getting full? Because we can all agree that certain foods maybe leave us feeling more full than others in certain amounts. Like if we had an amount of one food and an amount of another food that they were equal amounts, we can all agree that maybe one option or one choice would leave us feeling fuller for longer. That is getting into the topic of gentle nutrition. And in full transparency, I'm not going to get into that in this conversation today because it's already gone a little bit longer than I had anticipated. But the thing that I will say, if you are at the beginning of your intuitive eating journey, do not worry as much about the gentle nutrition component yet. If you read the book, Intuitive Eating, if you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. Get the newest edition. You can order it on Amazon. But if you notice in that book, the principle of honoring your health through gentle nutrition comes as one of the very last steps, meaning learning what your hunger and fullness feels like, getting on a level of communication with your body and your mind by saying, we're not restricting anymore. This is how we're eating now. You can trust me to feed you when you're hungry and to not feed you as much when you're feeling full. You need to kind of get your sea legs, for lack of a better term, get comfortable with these principles before you start bogging yourself down with, 
well, what about nutrition? What does this food have in it? What does that food have in it? And I, I, by trade, I'm a registered dietitian. I believe in teaching people and educating people about what different foods do for us and how different foods act differently in the body. But at the beginning of an intuitive eating journey, when you're coming from diets and different mentalities that say, nutrition, 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 Sometimes if we tackle those things too early on in the intuitive eating journey, those become rules. It becomes unlike anything else you've ever done before, which is far, far, far from the truth. Intuitive eating is in a league of its own. It is one of the best ways to heal your relationship with food. So you really have to start with getting on the same page and the same team as your body before we start learning a ton about gentle nutrition. So I can do an episode about that at a later time. But I want to thank you so much for tuning in to episode 44, talking about feeling your fullness and recognizing the differences between physical fullness, satiety, and all of the things associated in between. So like always, if you have gotten any value out of this episode, out of another episode, please, please, please don't forget to leave a rating and a review of the podcast. Leave a review. Tell me what you learned. Tell me what you love. Tell me what you want to hear more of. I am always happy to hearing feedback. And by you taking a moment to leave a rating and a review, that is how this message is going to grow and flourish and reach its little intuitive eating hands out to all of the other people who need to hear this message. So leave a rating and a review. If you're listening on another podcast platform, any podcast platform, don't hesitate to take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your social media stories, tag me. I love to see and hear when you are listening. But until next time, yours truly, Claire.